taking a little break from the theme of the last few episodes, I've decided to get back to the roots of this podcast and talk about the formulation of reality. I would just like to say, it's not lost on me that the past 10 episodes have all been about the mind, the limitations of the intellect, and why not to trust it. I did this though for a very specific reason. The way the mind functions makes it very difficult for a transition to happen from one frame of reality to a vastly different one. In physics terms, this could be described as the difference between a continuous and discontinuous transition. A continuous transition is when an electron moves from one energy state to another in continuity, and a discontinuous transition is when an electron jumps from one atomic orbit to another without ever going through the intermediate space that exists between them. One is a leap and another is linear progress. And the same goes for the mind. It is nice to hear something intellectually and to mean to take action, but in reality, for change to happen, continual reminders and intense focus is a necessity in order for something to cross the boundaries that the mind constructs as its ordinary veil of existence. By the way, if you're interested, I wrote a paper about this a few years ago, and you can find it on the Twitter page, The Simulation Podcast, if you're interested. So you may have also noticed that I am speaking from the realm of an individual identity in this episode, and not a narrating voice. And that's because for this episode, we're going to be discussing string theory, and more importantly, how it relates to base reality, and even more importantly, how these understandings relate to you, and how practically you can get more in touch with this thing we all call life, and how you can live in a smoother harmony with it. Thus, I thought it would be helpful for you if for this episode, you could understand this subject through the lens of where I am coming from, my background, and how I learnt some of these physics so it can help you better understand things from your own reference point. To start by clarifying something important, even though I'm constantly bringing up everything the East has already discovered thousands of years ago, and how awesome and how amazing so many of their systems of understandings are, it's important to say I'm a Westerner. I was born in the West and love many things about the West. More so, I was raised by scientists. My father is the number one groundwater ecologist in the world, and my older brother is also a mathematician and scientist who works for a lab in the US, and has also been trying to get poached to work for self-driving car startups from time to time. As you might have guessed, growing up, I was born and raised in an environment about as intellectual as you can get. I had kind and caring parents, a dad who would always provoke me to ask questions about science, but also very strict parents. And that, in combination with the worldview that was projected around me as only being intellectual and physical in nature, because my parents rejected their religious upbringings and replaced it with atheism and agnosticism, I was always at deep internal conflict with what I can now see is my true nature, and thus struggled to form any sort of identity all the way up until I was 18. When I turned 18, the spring that was compressed all my life was suddenly released, and when I started partying and drinking alcohol, it began my process of liberation. But soon, a deeper impulse started taking over me. When I drank, I didn't want to stop with a few drinks. I would keep going until I ended up in a black hole. There was intense emptiness in my life and something was pulling me into a deeper realm. 
And it was in those nights, many nights of deep blackouts, that I started to become in touch with my subconscious and the deeper unconscious. It was a deeply hollow and empty existence, but eventually I found my way into understanding that many ancient cultures had ideas about life that were in line with what I thought could be an explanation for things. Furthermore, there were rational ideas and ones that my mind could somewhat comprehend. So as time grew on, I became more and more obsessed until eventually I devoted almost all my mental time and energy into trying to understand how reality is formulated and why things were the way they were. So now that that's all out of the way, I thought it was important to share and to say that I was almost the most completely intellectual and material of a person as you could get. I was more skeptical about anything and everything to agree which annoyed people even, and I never accepted things without evidence. So when the ideas in this podcast are presented, there's no need to think I'm somehow different to you or I was raised in a different reality just because I preach the limitations of the intellect so much. Everything I have learned has simply been derived from my own internal experiences and questions within myself, and then listening to what cultivated people have said, and then relating that back to my own experiences. Everyone can do the same thing. So string theory, what is it? Why do so many of the smartest white minds in the world devote their life to it? Is it going anywhere? And what does this have to do with base reality? I would like to start out by saying also, I'm very intellectually stupid. Although I was raised by scientists, I was too rebellious and lazy to ever be even average at school. I spent all my energy trying to look like I was studying to not get in trouble for my parents, rather than actually study. So if you're looking to get an opinion on this subject with some sort of authority or from an authority figure, I can't provide that. I started a master's in quantum mechanics a few years ago, but as soon as I encountered what I considered to be an Eastern master, I immediately stopped and studied with him because deep down, it was extremely obvious to me that I would learn much more from putting all my focus and energy towards that. Yeah, provocative, I know. So from a layman's point of view, without going into all the details, strings theory is all about trying to reconcile the two worldviews of general relativity discovered by a dude called Einstein and quantum mechanics discovered by two dudes named Niels Bohr and Max Planck, which is all about how the interactions in the subatomic world function. To see the conflict between general relativity and quantum mechanics, we need to shrink way, way, way down in size. And as we leave the world of large objects behind and approach the microscopic realm, the familiar picture of space in which everything behaves predictably begins to be replaced by a world with a structure that is far less certain. And if we keep shrinking, getting billions and billions of times smaller than even the tiniest bits of matter, atoms and the tiny particles inside of them, the laws of the very small, quantum mechanics, say that the fabric of space becomes bumpy and chaotic. Eventually, we reach a world so turbulent that it defies common sense. Down here, space and time are so twisted and distorted that the conventional ideas of 
left and right, up and down. Even before and after, break down. There's no way to tell for certain that I'm here, or here, or both places at once. Or maybe I arrived here before I arrived here. In the quantum world, you just can't pin everything down. It's an inherently wild and frenetic place. The laws in the quantum world are very different from the laws that we are used to. And is that surprising? Why should the world of the very small at an atomic level, why should that world obey the same kind of rules and laws that we are used to in our world with apples and oranges and walking around on the street? Why would that world behave the same way? The fluctuating, jittery picture of space and time predicted by quantum mechanics is in direct conflict with the smooth, orderly, geometric model of space and time described by general relativity. But we think that everything, from the frantic dance of subatomic particles to the majestic swirl of galaxies should be explained by just one grand physical principle, one master equation. If we can find that equation, how the universe really works at every time and place will at last be revealed. You see, what we need is a theory that can cope with the very tiny and the very massive one that embraces both quantum mechanics and general relativity and never breaks down, ever. So now that we know what string theory is and what it's trying to do, why do so many of the smartest minds on the planet devote their life to understanding this? How does this relate to base reality? And I'm sorry to do this to you, but how does this relate to the limitations of the intellect? In the East, there is a well-known book called the I Ching. At face value, it is a book about change, but at a deeper level, it reveals some of the innermost workings of how this reality operates. One of the most important principles that resides in this book is the one of yang and yin. In the book, this is represented as a complete straight line for yang and a broken straight line for yin. And without going into all the specifics of what yin and yang represent, for now, in relation to this context, yang can be represented as motion and yin can be represented as motionless. So remember how in past episodes, how I said that although the intellect appears very smart, it is actually really stupid. And also remember how I said my intellect is stupid and definitely super, super stupid compared to the minds of these physicists. Just reminding you so you don't think this is about my ego when I say what comes next. In essence, in Eastern cultivation, the most central tenet or principle is that of stillness, or in this context, motionless. And it is this way for a very important reason. Motion can only arise from motionless. It is its opposite. 
So if string theory is all about trying to reconcile two seemingly contradictory views of reality in order to get a better understanding of life, or so-called solving what reality is, then how could this be possibly done from only looking at the effect and not the cause? To relate this back to what the podcast has talked a lot about in the past, I'm going to say something which may appear very contradictory to what you've already learnt. There is a saying in East, with mind, there is being. With no mind, there is no being. What? You're always saying there's something beyond the mind. Have you been lying to me? Are you discarding me? No, I haven't. You can relax. Yes, that is true. There is a world which goes far, far beyond the intellectual mind, 100%. So let me not confuse you here and change the terminology a little bit. Instead of mind, let's think of it as perception. So now let's hear it again. With perception, there is being. With no perception, there is no being. Motion is not the foundation of all reality. Neither is motionless. They are both facets of a deeper cause which creates and constitutes all matter that causes consciousness. So general relativity and its laws relate to the conscious mind, to our intellectual processes. Quantum mechanics relates to the unconscious and the deeper intelligences that exist within us. So why does the quantum realm appear so unstable? Is it fundamentally different to the realm of general relativity? Well, actually, not so much. And yes and no. To explain this, this leads to important understanding about awareness and how it relates to your mind. When you are able to gain heightened awareness and gain track of your thoughts, to see how one thought came from another thought, which came from another thought, and on and on, eventually, by tracing back all those thoughts, you can get to a space where you realize that all thoughts are rising and descending from the same place, a place of stillness or motionless. This is truly what an empty mind means. It does not mean you are brain dead and that everything is boring. In reality, it means you're in a space where you can see how and where all thought arises from. You can choose from that point of stillness and motionless whether you want to follow that thought and see where it leads and build on from it again, or if you want to follow another thought and see where that leads, or you can choose to rest in stillness and choose to have no thoughts at all and be in a very peaceful state. In this way, what an empty mind is can be described as infinite possibilities or infinite opportunities. And from this one place of motionlessness, everything rises and falls. And you, as the observer, can choose which path you want to go down. But all of this first requires you to go into the motionless, into a place where there is no perception, into base reality. Only once you have gone there and then come back down into the realms of thought and movement can you choose to participate in the realm of the motion of what exists in the quantum realm and also hire up the chain into the laws governed by general relativity. As you might see by now, 
What this means is, string theorists are attempting to explain reality by looking only at the motion and avoiding, almost at all cost, the motion list. Reality cannot be explained through only looking at the effect. You need to, at the most fundamental level possible, look at the cause first. It is only once you have done this can you gain the awareness and bird's eye perspective of reality which is needed in order to start seeing things how they really are. I didn't say to understand, but at least to see. And this is why fundamentally the East called life the mystery, because it cannot be explained and it definitely cannot be understood in its entirety. It's too big, but parts of it can be experienced directly through experience. So now that we've got that out of the way, let's draw it back to what fundamentally really matters even more than this, and that is you, your life, and the experience you have of your life, and all that is in your perception. Perception equals being. No perception equals no being. It's not in my nature to give direct answers to things when no one's asked a question. The following, however, is so important to address, not only because everyone seems to be asking these questions to each other lately, but also because there's a wave of a brain-generated consciousness view of reality which is sweeping across the world right now and destroying people's wonder and passion for life. And more recently, this is coming in the form of free will is an illusion. So perception equals being. No perception equals no being. Does this mean that when I die, then reality will also disappear? I've addressed this in earlier podcasts. So the short answer for new listeners is no. Because your perception tool is not you. You are something far more fundamental. When you look at a tree, the tree doesn't disappear when you disappear. Because both your perception of that tree and the tree itself are already a manifestation or an effect of an earlier cause. So when you look at a tree, or perhaps a better example is when you look at a leaf, the leaf doesn't disappear when you disappear because both your perception of that leaf and the leaf itself are already a manifestation of an effect or an earlier cause. Both your brain and the leaf are already a collapsed form of consciousness. And to draw this back to the state of stillness mentioned before, base reality is no perception. Base reality is consciousness. Consciousness then collapses and creates both your brain and the leaf at the same time to form material reality. The leaf that you perceive and your brain are codependent of each other. They arise at the same time. Your brain is just too slow at properly processing how consciousness collapses reality. So in this slight procedural delay, your brain thinks it's constructing reality rather than it also seeing or being aware that it's being constructed from consciousness. And for a more in-depth breakdown of this, you can go back and listen to episode four. Is the simulation preloaded or does it load for you? 
So to draw this back to your life and what is around you right now at this very moment, there is a reason humans get depressed and angry and agitated, not making process and being stuck in the same place. It's a reason which goes beyond evolutionary psychology because fundamentally who we are, what we are deep down is the essence of all life. This essence is incomprehensible, cosmic, and fundamentally mystical. It's an essential nature that bleeds into the very psychology of a human being. If this psychology was to be put into a conscious thought form, we would most usually come across this experience in daily life as, I do not like to feel contained. So many philosophers today say you have no free will, that you are merely at a whim to the complex entanglements of the entropy of the universe. Most usually, sadly and ironically too, those people are in fact describing the state of their own mind because reality, if lived purely through the intellect and brain, actually will produce a life of no free will and it will feel like containment. But you need not be limited. By looking within and making a courageous decision of becoming still, you can return to base reality and then be open to the infinite possibilities that life provides as you return to the beginnings of the realm of motion that we describe and experience as the quantum world. The material and only motion scientists of the world would like you to conclude that you are nothing more than your brain and its complex wiring, that there is nothing miraculous about life and that all matter and experience can be defined and explained. But what if you're a part of something so much bigger and that by simply choosing to not put a limitation on yourself by being present to this moment and accepting that no matter what happens, this moment right now cannot be any other way. Just maybe you could take a quantum leap and step into an experience of life which you never thought possible. <laughs>